0: It is Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. This is another edition of Football Today. You know that, dude. Bobby Skinner from the Talking Giants world. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan and producer Mikey along for the ride as well. We're doing a Tuesday edition because Bobby was up celebrating yet another Giants victory in person, keeping the streak alive. You actually made it all the way through that Giants-Patriots game, didn't you?
1: Undefeated, never lost. Um... I had fun. I got I got some good seats because it was such a bad game uh on SeatGeek promo code Giants. Mm. Um we we had it we had a great time. Good tailgate. A very good Thanksgiving weekend. How about you?
0: Uh yeah, I mean Browns got blown out. That was a tough one to watch. And then we were all part of it, everybody knows because of uh Scott Hansen in the red zone, but we had a little a little emergency in the NFL network building, like 17 minutes before I was going on for NFL Game Day Highlights, which is a show I do at seven thirty Eastern the alarm starts going off like mad, right? And there's a voice that says "You, there's an emergency in the building. You must head to the nearest exit. So we have no idea what the hell that means. So we go out, and for people that don't know, the NFL Network building is right next to SoFi Stadium, which, of course, was the Sunday night game. It was kicking off in an hour. So here comes a huge flock of Ravens and Chargers fans as we're trying to evacuate a building. I ended up getting back in there and sitting down at the – highlights desk probably 90 seconds before air
1: so it was a little hairy
0: but we got through
1: what was the emergency
0: no idea still trying to figure that one out i'm sure i'll hear about it this coming sunday so we'll see uh we got another emergency situation in carolina that's what we're going to start with second straight year they fire a head coach in mid-season and for david Tepper, the owner of the carolina panthers he has now fired all three you know, full-time coaches that he has had, and he has done it mid-season with each of them. He played a little meet the press on Tuesday to clarify a few things. I do have patience. I'm just not... (laughs) My reputation away from this game is one for extreme patience. You know, there's no reason why that doesn't, you know, come here too. It does. Now, that patience comes with good performance and things that you want to see progress be made on in different aspects. Um, And as, you know, as I said... You know, I would like to have somebody here for 20, 30 years. I'd like to have somebody (laughs) that would say eulogy at my funeral in 30 years. Okay, maybe it's 40 years, I hope. But uh, that's what I'd like to have. So he gets rid of Frank Reich, uh, who doesn't even make it a dozen games in his first year in Carolina, out after a 1-10 start. Was Tepper right to cut the cord, or is this the work of a madman?
1: I think this is the work of someone who's very reactionary uh, and new to the NFL and is going to be a bad owner in the NFL until he decides to change and get things on site. I mean, he's done everything basically wrong, right? Like, why is the GM – maybe the GM will be fired after the season, Scott Fitterer, but he's the one who made the trade-up for Bryce Young and not even just trading up for Bryce Bryce Young, including DJ Moore in that, which is like – that's. That should be the QB. Like, the one thing that's working for the Bears this year is throwing the ball to DJ Moore. Like, I, I you know, homegrown receiver. I don't understand why they did that. You know, drafted a guy like DJ Johnson in the third round, who's like a zero. You know, he's like a – like to me, he's like a seventh-round player. Uh, firing all these guys midseason, it just feels like he doesn't have, like, any plans and he's reactionary, right? Like, why did you bring back Matt Rule just to fire him a few games in? Um, they seem – you know, fired Matt Herney over differences over Matt Rule. It's just been – constant, just like never getting anybody on the same page. And it's going to breed a culture of guys trying to do what they think will please Tepper instead of what they think is best for the, uh, the franchise.
0: All right. So I'm going to try and give some good news to Panthers fans out there a little bit. Some people, this may remind of the San Francisco 49ers of six, seven, eight years ago when Jed York started going through coaches, right? He just couldn't find one once Jim Harbaugh left. He went through a bunch of dudes, right? Jim Tom Sula, one and done in 2015. They gave $24 million, I think, to Chip Kelly. He was out after a year. And then they brought in Kyle Shanahan, and they paired him with John Lynch, and they felt like that was the way to go, even though people forget. Shanahan went 0-9 out of the gate in 2017. Mm -hmm. They pull up the trade for Garoppolo. Things started to turn around. They started to feel better about themselves, and then they started nailing the draft right after that. I'm not comparing the Panthers to the 49ers. You can use that as a blueprint. If you'd like to use another team, dare I say, compare them a little bit to my team, the Cleveland Browns. Jimmy Haslam, just like David Tepper, was a minority owner with the Pittsburgh Steelers before getting his own squad. And Haslam out of the gate, he couldn't find the right coach. And he would cycle through personnel guys and coaches, one after the other, one after the other. And I'll actually compare it to this same situation that Carolina's going through right now. He had Hugh Jackson, gets rid of him midway through the 2018 season. Greg Williams, interim coach, gets them on a winning track. Number one pick at quarterback in Baker Mayfield, who's starting to make some progress. They don't hire Greg Williams, even though a lot of people in Cleveland wanted him to. They go with Freddie Kitchens. Terrible hire. One and done. They brought in Kevin Stefanski, got him to the playoffs. Coach of the year, has done a pretty remarkable job, in my opinion, through four seasons so far. So the Panthers are on that trajectory, right? They had Matt Rule. They get rid of him. Steve Wilkes did a good job. A lot of people thought they'd hire him. They didn't. They bring in Frank Reich. That didn't work out, and now they're moving on. So dare I say that you want to follow the pattern of my Cleveland Browns, but they have finally found some stability with that organization, and perhaps that's the way it could play out here.
1: I will, so I'm not on the boat of the people who say, oh, well, no one's going to want to go coach there. It's the NFL. Oh, There's 32 wow. opportunities. Now they're like a guy like Ben Johnson, who didn't take interviews last off season. Could someone like him? Yes, but it's not going to stop them from getting a good head coach. Um, it's just not the way the NFL works. I think that's something that that's reactionary from fans and media all the time. Um, but it's just, to me, it's, it, if they don't fire Scott Fitterer, after this season, right, or within the next, you know, five weeks or whatever it is, then it's, like, really in trouble because now you're going to let a GM hire another coach. It's just, to me, it's dysfunction, right? And, hey, I'm not saying Frank Reich was the savior, but who are the four best players on the Panthers right now? It's it's a real problem. Yeah, Brian Burns is number one. Yep. Frankie Luvu, Jeremy Chen, who's on IR, and and Adam Thielen, right? Who like I don't think they look like to be washed. He's been there like their best player on offense, right? Um, you don't know what you have in Bryce Young. Um, it looks more bad than good, but I don't think anyone should just give up right away. But you don't have any first round picks to build around him. You don't have a wide receiver. The second rounder you took in Jonathan Mingo doesn't look to be developing very well. Um, it's just a very weird spot, and I, I don't know if Tepper is is Tepper going to like. Realize his mistakes and get things on cycle and stop breeding a uh, building a culture of trying to please him because he, his press conference didn't do anything to temper any of that. You know, the quote of like nobody ever leaves me type of like my reputation, uh, reputation away from the game is patience, nobody ever leaves me. Like, you know, and then was asked finally, actually, someone finally asked about the Stroud thing, and the answer was very weird on all of that, like and defensive. So, yeah, it was a little, um. Weird. You know, I, I don't have any confidence that they're going to get it right. I, mean, I think they can get a good head coach in there, but they're going to fire the GM a year from now because that roster still stinks. Like, what when are they going to get on cycle? Like, they need to start a totally afresh. Yeah, they do. They do. And they need to start. They need to clean house
0: there. And they have to have some patience. They really do. And if we're doing the same dance a year from now, then we've got a major, major NFL catastrophe on our hands. And I don't know where Panther fans would turn after that. But even if they stink again next year, but you can see some pieces started to develop. You're right. We struggled to name the top four players on the team. That is bad. That is a bad organization. I wish them well, though. It's not fair. Uh, yeah, I love
1: Carolina. Like,
0: I want to see them do well. You know, it was not fair us having to sit through the Monday night show that was a rough one bears get a last second field goal come back and they beat the vikings so if you're looking at your nfc playoff standings you've got seattle at six and five they hold the sixth spot the vikings still hold the seventh spot they fall to 500 heading into the bye week they're six and six you got green bay the rams and saints all just a half game back at five and six so who has the inside track for those final two
1: wild card spots so instead of sometimes we'll come on here and talk about like what about this? I actually just went through all the rest of the schedules and just predicted yes. win loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the Seahawks. Here's I have the Seahawks at nine and eight, and the Packers at nine and eight, and then the Rams at eight and nine, nine and eight if they beat the Brown Zone, and I think the Rams could sneaky be the best team within that that range, right? You could it's a kind of a coin toss between them and the Seahawks, um, depending on how Stafford is playing at that point and their health. The issue is that the Seahawks, who are like the pr- probably the best team, best record, their schedule's tough, right? Like you have the Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles the next three weeks. And there are two games after the Titans-Steelers, very winnable, but they're also very losable for those, mm-hmm. for that Seahawks team too. Um, the Rams are like the maybe the second best team, but they have to play the Ravens uh, and the 49ers. But then they get the – you know, the Browns is a big decider. They have the Commanders, Saints, and Giants after that. Uh, And then the Packers have the easiest schedule. they got the Chiefs this week, and then they have the Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, and Bears. They're going to be favored in five of those six games probably. So I land on them. And the Saints just stink. Uh, I have them at 7 and 10.
0: Yeah, but that might be good enough to win the division.
1: Yeah, maybe they'll win the division, but they're not going to get
0: the wild card spot. Could you imagine if we're all treated to a Sunday night week 18 game in New Orleans, Falcons and Saints for the NFC South? Winner gets to
1: 7 and 10. What would think what's the most dramatic week 17 Sunday night football game we've had in a long time? It was Doug Peterson benching Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfield as uh he lets the commanders get into the playoffs over my Giants, who we almost got in at six and ten. So those to me, those are thrilling. Yeah. I I guess I guess if you're Titans' that, Jags but... last year was a little thrilling. Like, I feel like those seven and nine. You know, or those six yeah, and whatever. I, I love those games at the end of the season. But yeah, the the NFC South is going to be fun. I I tend to
0: like the Raiders Chargers. What are you doing, Brandon Staley, at the end of the game, sort of stuff. Oh, that Raiders was a good David. one. And
1: that we was, almost had the tie, and, and yes. the whole the whole tie thing. That so yes. actually, that wasn't the most fun. Is yes. everyone joking about the tie all week, and then us getting that close to it?
0: So for me, nine. I think you're you're dead on it. I think nine and eight is good enough. Here's the here's the the monkey wrench in this whole thing. Seattle got swept by the Rams, okay? The Rams lost to the Packers. The Packers still have a big game with Minnesota in there. So we're all over the place. Like you can't do the head-to-head thing when it's more than just two teams involved. Then it goes to I forget if it's division or conference or however they decided in the wild card situation. I'll I'll brush up on that once we get closer to it. I do like the way that Green Bay and the Rams are playing. I really do. When the Rams went up to Lambeau and got lambasted, Brett Rippon, who's not even on the team anymore, was the quarterback. I think with Stafford right now and with Kyron Williams, he has become a game changer offensively. More than 200 scrimmage yards in that win over Arizona this weekend. I'm worried about my Browns out in L.A. this weekend. Um, I think if the Rams win, I think they get in. If they win this weekend, I think they do get in. And I think Jordan Love, I'm excited to see him Sunday night against the Chiefs. I don't know how you feel, but he has played two really good games, including a Thanksgiving Day game on the road in Detroit. If he puts a third one together, I don't know if the narrative totally changes, but Packers fans will feel way better than they did a month ago about their quarterback.
1: Oh, that Chiefs defense is great. So if he, if he, if he even looks above average in that game, I think they're, they're making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, if they, if they can even look competitive with the Chiefs, I'm, I'm picking them to be winning. I, I'm picking them to go five and zero the rest of the, the way. Um, uh, as you're going to have some bad teams that are going to be kind of giving up on their season at that point. Um, uh, and the Packers do like, they do have talent. Uh, you know uh by the way we didn't talk about it on on Rashawn th- Gary by the way I feel like it's, he's like one of the underrated most underrated best player. players in the NFL mm-hmm. because he didn't start out so hot uh so yeah but so right now again I do have Seahawks 9 and 8 Packers mm-hmm. 9 and 8 but the Rams like you said if they beat the Browns this week which is very winnable yes. then I would put them at 9 and 8 and then the Seahawks like, I didn't get into the like the oh, well, they could lose to one of the Titans or the Steelers, but they very well could. Like, I, if you ask me, would will they lose to one of those two? I would say yes. And that's why I think this Thursday night versus the Cowboys is huge because they're not beating the 49ers Eagles. That's just not happening unless you get like a fluky type game. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys is winnable for the Seahawks, even though the Cowboys are the better team. I like if I'm if I'm coaching them, I'm coaching that. Like that's the Super Bowl, right? Like I am bringing that type of Super Bowl energy into that locker room for this Thursday night game.
0: By the way, we we both haven't even mentioned the Vikings. We're kissing them off, right? They don't even know who their quarterback is moving forward. It's
1: done, right? Yeah, I have them at seven and ten, uh, eight and nine. If they could beat the Raiders, yep, they'll beat the Bengals. They're going to lose to the Lions twice, and I I do think they'll lose to the Packers. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, 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 Sorry, it's been a magical run for Josh
0: Dobbs, but I think the the wheels came off of the Magic Carpet ride. I don't even know if Magic Carpets have wheels, but I just threw them on there. All right, uh, Tuesday, got a little bit of news. Pro Football Hall of Fame, they busted out their 25 semifinalist lists. A maximum of five will be announced as the new Hall of Fame class at NFL Honors right before the Super Bowl. So give me your list of five.
1: I'm very passionate about the Hall of Fame. I think it's something that like should be like I love it. And I, um, so to me, the easy ones: Antonio Gates and Julius Peppers. Right? Easy. Gates seventh most touchdowns all time, third most tight end yards until Cal- Kelsey passes him either this year or, or actually not this year, next year. Mm-hmm. Julius Peppers fourth most sacks all times, third in tackles for loss. Made the All Two Thousands and Two Thousand Tens team. Easy. Here's where it gets a little diff. Uh, difficult right and again i you can make arguments for so many guys and this is why it's so tough and that's why i love the hall of fame so much because i think it should be tough are you in on patrick willis only played seven seasons but he's a five-time all pro seven-time pro bowler we've seen guys like terrell davis get in without a ton i mean he's the he's one of the best linebackers of all time he's a hall of fame type linebacker he just only played seven seasons I think that if you are a seven season, and, and you have to remember Terrell
0: Davis, it came down to the, like the final season, I think, for him in order to make it. And I worked with TD and we talked a lot about this. Like, it but was Willis very- was
1: so much better than Davis to me at like his position, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. But uh, when you win an, a league MVP and you are perhaps the biggest reason that John Elway finally got a ring, that weighs a lot.
1: But I just view Patrick Willis so much higher than I do Terrell Davis. I understand, like, the storylines around Terrell Davis are so much bigger. Like you said, those Super Bowls, the MVP. Uh, But So so we disagree on Patrick Willis. I I vote no. Let me give you one off of my list. Yeah, let's see.
0: I don't think people are even going to think of this guy. Fred Taylor. Hear me out. Okay? 17th all-time in rushing. Everybody ahead of him, except for Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore, who are not yet eligible, are in to Canton, Ohio. He had an average of 4.6 yards per carry. Only two guys ahead of him on that rushing list had a higher average yards per carry. Jim Brown and Barry Sanders. Like Jerome Bettis, who was way up on the rushing list because he got a ton of carries because of the offense they ran, Didn't even average four yards per carry. Now, the knock on Fred Taylor is going to be touchdowns. I think he's only 42nd all-time in touchdowns. But he started. He played in the era where we started to get into goal line specialists. They had a bunch of those down there in Jacksonville. One year, it was James Stewart. One year, Stacey Mack had more touchdowns than Fred Taylor, even though he had less than 100 total yards rushing the ball. Greg Jones was a big power back. So they started to specialize at at the goal line. So I thought that that kind of cost Fred Taylor a little bit.
1: I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Greg Jones. He's one of my favorite fullbacks slash halfbacks of all time. And then he he paid, him and Maurice Jones Drew was one of my favorite duos of all time. So I'm not going to argue against Fred Taylor, but I'm going to bring this up because I actually think this guy gets punished because of his own fan base. Tiki Barber has 10,000 rushing yards and 5,000 receiving yards of all time. The fourth most scrimmage yards in a season of all time. The 15th most scrimmage yards of all time. Everyone above him is hall of fame. The only person above him that had the same career length is Barry Sanders. Um, You know His lowest scrimmage yards in his last seven seasons was 2001 with over 1,400, where he missed two games, had the highest yards per carry of his career, second most receiving yards per game of his career. You mentioned Fred Taylor's 4.6 yards per carry. Tiki had 4.7. So Tiki is not in the same boat as Patrick Willis, where it's like just short career length. He has the numbers with the short career length, but I think he gets punished because he left before the one Super Bowl team with the Giants. He... The fan base hated him because of the Eli stuff, and he beefed specifically with kind of the people in New York who are you you you, you know you kiss up to to get in the Hall of Fame. Those certain writers, I won't name any names. Uh, Jerry Liars, uh, Tiki, like to me, does have a shot at it. And I looked at it last year when Rondé got in because I was just curious, and I'm like, man, he's right up there. So I don't think it's a shoe in. This is his first time as a semifinalist, but it's like if you make an argument for Fred Taylor, I feel like you got to say Tiki well, too. And I love Fred, but it's it's just Tiki's kind of been written off because of the way his career ended. Well, totally
0: different backs in my opinion. Totally different. Everything from running style to what they brought to a team, right? Tiki was one of the great receiving backs in history. He had a hard time getting on the field at the beginning of his career. If I remember yeah, first three
1: years didn't play much.
0: Yeah. So um, I think he's a guy that listen. We do have to... Remember that these are humans that are voting for the Hall of Fame, and Tiki is not very popular. He continues to not be popular. Like you listen to him, and it's a little bit like the whole Russell Wilson thing. Like, can we take what we're what's coming out of your mouth for real, or is it just who you want to project? Like, you know what I'm saying?
1: Like, it's kind of like Egh. you listen. Yeah. See, so yeah, I don't. I don't. But I think Tiki's changed a lot since Mm -hmm. when he was first trying to make a career in media. Maybe. I mean, there's still people that hold. I mean, he did some bullshit thing.
0: Let's, let's not paint a picture here that he was perfect because he was like, when Michael Strahan was holding out, he started talking about how Strahan should be in camp. You don't talk about other people's money. Like that
1: was some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, there was definitely issues in there. The thing I would, like you said, that, and the other thing going against him is, before Coughlin came, he did have a huge fumble issue, right? Which yes, is like did. most backs don't have turnover issues. Tiki had a lot like of he had. A, so that would be the thing pushing against it. But I mean, you look at all those guys at the top of the yards list of all time. He's, he's there. Right. Okay. And I think if he played two more, I think if he played two more years, he's a guaranteed. You don't even think about it. Um, hall of famer, right. Where I don't think it's, I don't think it's the same as Patrick Willis. Um, so so, right, I would... so you've got Go willison barber
0: as your three and four i've got fred taylor here's where i have a really hard time differentiating between heinz ward steve smith senior anquan bolden reggie wayne tory holt andre johnson they're all on this list and they all have gaudy numbers right they're the first wide receiver generation that are all growing up together where they have between 900 and you know, 1,100 catches or whatever. So how do how do you really differentiate all these guys? I came down to my list of two, and it's because of the way they played the game. Heinz Ward and Steve Smith Sr., because I thought that they brought something more than just catching the ball to the table. Steve Smith Sr. was a, an all-pro punt returner at the beginning of his career and Heinz Ward was arguably the best blocking wide receiver I've ever seen. I mean, he was knocking guys out. Rivers from Cincinnati freaking broke his jaw. Now it's a play where you've gotten would have gotten like suspended for today, but at the time it was a legal hit where he peeled back on a block. But I I felt like those guys did more. It, it, but I'm not like a hundred
1: percent in. So it's it, all those to me. I would say Andre Johnson. I think he's the best out of all those guys. I think he struggled. He didn't get the recognition because he played on the Houston Texans. Um, but, you know, he led the NFL in receiving, you know, a couple times at over 1,400 receiving yards, which is more than those guys. Um, so Andre Johnson went in. It's, but it's it's hard to make wide receivers like the toughest position in the NFL to wow. make the Hall of Fame. Um, but if if I was to put it – like I love Torrey Holt, but like when I started comparing Torrey Holt to other guys, I am like, eh, it's it's kind of hard to make this really case, hard. right? It's, it's like borderline – so Andre Johnson, I could see get it, getting it in. So did you? Did you pick any of those guys or two of those guys? I so said I got it down to Warden Smith, and I got to pick one. And I, I, I don't know.
0: I I, I kind of like um, Steve Smith Senior because he's one of I think three or four guys that won the receiver triple crown, which I thought was kind of cool. But once again, I I don't I don't have so much conviction with one of these guys. That would be, that's the hardest thing for me is just to figure it out. So.
1: Yeah. Steve Smith, you know, he had basically the same amount of yards as Andre Johnson. Like you said, did have that triple crown. Um, It's so tough though. Right. That's, I feel like that's what goes against the receivers is like, there's so much competition that people go just, I'll just go the, I'll go from another guy who's top of the position where there's not that much competition.
0: Yeah. Well, wait till we get to the spot where people think that Matt Ryan was a better quarterback than Troy Aikman
1: because of his stats.
0: Let's uh, just—I'll wait for that one. I can't wait. That that discussion
1: is going to be awesome. Um, yeah, football. Have... To yeah, no, actually, I'm not even going to bring it up because I don't want to argue about it. My my fifth is Jared Allen. Okay, I thought about him a little bit. Sixteenth all time in sacks. He's right there with John Randall, Jason Taylor, Jamarcus mm-hmm. Ware, Strahan, who are all Hall of Famers. Um, I'm I was surprised that he wasn't in. It, to be honest,
0: mm-hmm. um, I am on the Devin Hester train. I I know, but I just feel like the hall has to be represented by certain guys that changed the game. People were not even kicking off to him when kickoffs were still a thing. I'm old enough to remember when kickoffs were a thing. But to have 20 return touchdowns, and I know that Deion Sanders says a lot of stuff, and some people are like, well, okay, whatever. And he always said that Devin Hester was his baby. Like, that was one of his guys. But he said – When Deion Sanders says Devin Hester is the best return guy in the history of the NFL, I have to listen. Because to me, it was Deion.
1: This is tough because I love Devin Hester, Miami guy. Like, from from the beginning of his career to the end, I was all in on Devin Hester. And, you know, that touchdown for the Falcons to break the record, like, I can still play it in my head. But think about all the tough decisions we're having on guys who just... I know. It's and to put one of the, I just can't do it. Maybe like again, how? What's the la- like? When is like the last year of being eligible? Like it's, how many years are you eligible he, for? He might. It's I mean forever. You you you're on that
0: list forever. It's like twenty years or something. But you're just going to be kicking that can down the road when it's going to get more competitive, not less.
1: See, I I, w- I want him in the Hall of Fame. I do, but I just have a hard time taking. Patrick Willis or Jared Allen, or like you said, you say like, you know, like it's, it's, it's tough for me. Like I wish there could be some type of revision where like he doesn't take someone's spot. Um, well, Hey, guess but, what? Justin Tucker's going to take somebody's spot too one day. But even then I think like Justin Tucker's like way more valuable than what Devin Hester was. Yes.
0: I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I just, I don't know. I think I've been convinced over the years. We we could do an entire show just on this, and I love but, discussing it. I'm sure we will in January.
1: Yeah, my I, issue is like not that like I can make the argument for Devin Hester being in the Hall of Fame, where I struggle with just not putting someone else in for I, Devin That's Hester. what it is,
0: because you're limited. You're limited in terms of the numbers. I possibly. could talk
1: about this for 45 minutes, and I'm looking Easily. at our timer, and we've done it for a while now.
0: I know. Well, I think if we should do a Hall of Fame show sometime in January, to be honest with you.
1: We'll get a voter on here, and we can go for it. You know, here's um, something I hate. Why do they do it during Super Bowl week? Let it be its own topic for a couple of days. Instead, it's like, they, okay, the Hall of Fame next day, move on.
0: Well, they like that because they like to have them come out during NFL honors. And as somebody who has covered it, and there was one year where actually I was the guy on the stage, like it was the Sappier year that he got in. There's a very funny picture of Warren Sap coming out and kissing me on the cheek. Maybe we could find that and put it up there, Mikey or Dan. And, uh, you know, when he came out and found out, I mean, like, He's bawling. Larry Allen is in tears. One of the toughest guys to ever play in the NFL is just crying the entire, you know, that's when they did it as its own separate thing the day before the Super Bowl. Um, Now they do it as part of NFL honors. And it is kind of a cool moment as a person who sat through several honors. It is emotional when you see the living Hall of Famers
1: walk out in their gold jackets and welcome people to the club. It's Pretty damn cool. So Yeah, we'll I'm see. definitely going to go to the Hall of Fame weekend when Eli gets in, and he will get in, and I don't want to hear anything. I, I'm biased. I don't care. All right, let's do this one quickly because we're
0: going to talk about the Eagles on Friday against the Niners, but they got that overtime win over the Bills, so that's three straight in this gauntlet of a schedule, right? They took care of Dallas in a game at home. They took care of Kansas City and now Buffalo, but they've won those games by a combined 12 points. So do we applaud them because they – have gone three and oh in those tough games so far, or do we say that there's some issues with the Eagles that might rear its
1: ugly head down the stretch? I think you applaud them. Like, do we like we like, yeah, of course they're not looking as good versus the best teams, they're the best teams for a reason. Um, like we should be more worried about the other teams that lose to the Eagles, right? Like, I, I absolutely applaud them and I still think the 49ers are the better team, but if you're from the Eagles point of view, like, hey. I don't care if Brock Purdy was out. We went and we scored on that defense. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I I applaud them. I mean, I I, I think – I really do think the winners of 49ers-Eagles in the NFC Championship, which I think is a foregone conclusion at this point, is your Super Bowl champion. Yeah,
0: and we'll have more time to talk about the Week 13 matchup coming up on Friday. I would just say this, that it does feel like Philadelphia I know Jalen Hurts said this after their Monday night win in Kansas City that they haven't played their best game I do feel that way about this team it feels like there's more to give now they have been an extremely healthy team I know that Lane Johnson missed last week's game uh, and they usually don't win games without him uh, in recent memory they lost to the
1: Jets because he was out
0: right so if they are able to stay healthy they're tough out man they're just I think mentally they are tougher than virtually every team out there i don't want to say anything else because i can't wait for the niners and the eagles on sunday even though i'm going to be working opposite that game i'm still going to have it on in the booth while i'm calling the browns rams game so i would say applaud the eagles we'll move on
1: the weather might be cooling down but the action on the field stays hot and today we've teamed up with DraftKings, an official partner of the nfl to get you closer to the action Right now, new customers who bet just five dollars will get one hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. So, download the DraftKings app now and use promo code Football Today. Fan of multiple teams and want to bet on them all? Combine multiple get bets together for a shot and even bigger payout. If you're like, if you're a playoff team like bubble Wildcard, just bet like how you want things to play out. If sports betting is not yet available in your state, not to worry, you can still join in all the fun with DraftKings daily fantasy sports. Download the DraftKings sportsbook app now. New customers use promo code football today. Bet just $5 in any wager and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code football today, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You'll be glad you did. Last thing, the Falcons, they took over first in the
0: sorry NFC South with a home win over the Saints. And the big deal was Ludacris's entrance as he repelled from the dome ceiling. He
1: seemed to enjoy it. Is that something that you would do? It is something I would do, even though I'd be deathly afraid. I would just do it just to say I did it. Um, and the entire time I'd be up there worried. But if you just told me, like, hey, there's no chance of there being an injury in this, but that's, you know, not- it's like it's the same odds of a, a, a plane crash, I'm doing it. Yeah, that's still not good enough for me.
0: I am okay in a plane. Anything that I'm inside of like that, I'm all right. But if I get even like, 15 feet in the air but i'm outside i can't do it i like look over and i get afraid so this one like if i had to do it at the bottom of the rappel you would find a passed out chris rose
1: that's how yeah the harnesses are a big deal for me so i i used to work in tree service right and like you know i wasn't the main climber but sometimes you climb when you have like the harness on and you're able to like grab on to, like branches and stuff, you feel comfortable though. Actually the most, when you're probably the more it's when you're in the bucket truck and the actual bucket, you see the guys like the power lines, those have hinges, right? And that can go loose and it can swing and you fall. That's when you actually feel the most like nervous is when you're kind of leaning out of the bucket. Um, So as long as I'm, I got harnesses and unless someone like sabotages them, like you're good. I'm I'm good too.
0: We're going to do an entire show on the list of jobs you've had.
1: Yeah, it's probably like seven or so. I I did pools for a long time. Once I got that job, I was paying like decent enough and I loved it. So,
0: yeah, no, no, but I'm serious. We're going to have to do a full breakdown job by job.
1: You know, pros, cons, whether or not I could pull it off whole bit. I'm all for it.
0: Okay, it's good. Uh, This was a fun one. We got we got bogged down a little bit on the Carolina and the Hall of Fame talk, but I hope you enjoyed it. It was always it's always good stuff. So for our two producers on the day, Danny Boy and Mikey, good job to both of you. Bobby Skinner continued to consume his work with my buddy Justin over at Talking Giants World. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Friday on Football Today.